The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition, taking all of your great questions answering them a uh, lot to talk about this week uh again thank you all for all the great questions it's it's genuinely i we enjoy doing this because it gets everybody else involved getting to hear from what you guys want to talk about a lot of you want to talk about ben neiman a lot of you want to continue to talk about the offensive line we'll still get some of those questions in for sure um some of you were not nice to ben neiman this week it's kind of funny that it, it really hit hard this week i don't know why maybe it's because willie gay wasn't playing over him i'm not sure but we have a lot of questions to answer, and here to help me do it are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. Hi. How's it going, Kent? How are you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. Thanks for asking. You know, it feels good to be feels good to be asked that question every now and then. I don't. Normally, we just skip over that. We we don't ask Kent how he's doing or ask his opinion off the top of the show. So I think this entire episode or should ever. just be about Hollywood Swanson, and he can just tell us, you know, what he's been up to lately. You got any other works coming out that you want to promote right now, Kent? No, I have no desire to even put any effort into promoting anything whatsoever right now. Come on, Kent. Tell the people everything that you're doing. They want to know. Listen, it's been a little while since we've heard from Hollywood the person. We've heard from Hollywood the analyst, but we could just skip the entire podcast this week and just talk to you, the man, the myth, the legend. Craig, deflecting is a bad look on you. It's just a bad look on you. How are you today, Craig? I'm great. Let's let's get on with these these fine people's <laughs> questions. Yeah, we've got a lot of them, and uh, we've got some five-star review questions. If you like the show, you like what's going on on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, go ahead and leave a five-star review uh, and uh, you know get your questions in there if you want to ask a question there. KatieCom22 did that, and she just had this funny – she had this line. She was complimenting the, the channel and our show and all that stuff. It, it made me laugh. Matt Lane is taking PF taking down PFF one O line mishap at a time, <laughs> and Rant Swanson doesn't miss. I think that's funny. Shout out to Katie Comb. Her question: Assuming the Chiefs make it back to the Super Bowl, and acknowledging how good they are, what's their Achilles' heel? Interior offensive line or pass rush? Let me first of all say thank you for the kind words. 
Secondly, PFF's only downfall is not their offensive line grades. I'm, I can just leave it at that, but their downfall <laughs> goes a lot deeper than just their offensive line uh, judgment. But um, I do think that's where the Chiefs' Achilles is. heel is going to lie, is that, that offensive line, especially on the interior. But I think you saw with Mike Rimmers these last couple weeks, and then with Yasir Durant in place of him, the right tackle spot's no sure thing either. Just the pass protection in general is the one thing that I think can slow down the Chiefs' team as a whole. The pass rush can struggle. The pass rush can be bad. But at the end of the day, you still have the best unit in football on the other side with Patrick Mahomes. And if he is able to play like Patrick Mahomes, they have a chance, a good chance, to win any football game they're in. If that offensive line can't hold up, whether on the interior or either on tackle spot, you just it makes it a lot harder for Patrick Mahomes to do what he can do. I think he can overcome a bad pass rush by his own team a lot better than he could overcome poor blocking along the way. Crossbreak at 07. Do any of y'all love anything in your life as much as Chiefs Twitter loves the idea of drafting more linebackers? Is that humanly possible? Five, Listen. nine wide receivers. Okay, well, that, yeah, that too. Yeah, smallish wide receivers, little jitterbugs. And Jordy Fortson. And, well, yeah. See, Chiefs Twitter is diversified. I, see, Crossbreak, <laughs> you're, you're painting with a very narrow brush here when, in truth, Get the widest fan brush that you can. Listen, nobody loves linebackers as much as me. I love linebackers. I have wanted nothing more than competent linebacker play on this team for beyond a decade. Now, even with DJ here, I wanted a, a guy at the other spot that was more than capable of holding his own. And there's nothing I want less than a linebacker early. This next year, I, I think we talked about this month, month and a half ago. I know we talked about it on Twitter as well. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Willie Gay Jr. is going to start at the will next year. He's going to get those buck opportunities that he got to rotate in this week. Anthony Hitchens is going to be your starting Mike. They're just not a big need for a bulk linebacker snap guy. And that's what you want if you're taking a guy early. Go get an interior offensive line. Go get a wide receiver. Go get a pass rusher. Just go get a position that is going to play more and make more of an impact on this team than taking a linebacker next year. PD12335, when you have the GOAT, why bother trying to run with a running back? Why not add an extra tight end or offensive lineman to protect Mahomes and let him throw on every down? Worst case scenario is Mahomes can run it himself. Adding an extra offensive lineman or tight end in protection really isn't going to do all that much for you at all. Um, it's not the number of guys that you have protecting necessarily because the defense can control how many guys that they're going to bring. They can put you in situations. You know, if you stick if you stick an extra tight end or an extra offensive lineman in to, in to protect, they're just going to blitz a little bit heavier. Um, they're going to add more to that rush because they can because someone's staying in. So there's really not a ton of value necessarily to that. Having good fi five good offensive linemen would be a nice start. Um, you got to run the ball a little bit. I think the Chiefs have done a pretty good job of balancing and figuring out that balance between running and passing because I, they're a very pass-heavy script v most of the time. And Kit's not implying that you need to be 50-50 just to interject there. No. <laughs> They've done a really good job, and they're like closer to 70-30. And I think that's about right. Like They try to put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands as much as they can. Um, the run-pass options are part of the reason. 
you know, that, 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 that is such a big piece of this offense. There's always a pass concept tagged. If the defense gives them a favorable look to throw the football, they're going to throw the football. But sometimes the team take it away. But I do love the fact that their run their 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 run options are very frequently almost always tagged with a with a pass play. Uh APNerdsquad at gmail.com questions. You can email us at that email address if you don't have Twitter, don't have uh or don't want to leave a five star review. Uh yeah, you can you can you can do that. Big in Japan did that said, by my count, we only have eight healthy bodies left and an undrafted free agent rookie, Yasir Durant, had to step in as our starting right tackle on Sunday. If Stevan Wisniewski and Martinez Rankin aren't in good enough condition to take the field over Durant, should we be concerned who our next option is? Would the Chiefs ever consider moving Dan Kilgore or Austin Ryder to guard? Well, I think the big thing with Yasir Durant right now is he does give you some offensive tackle flexibility. He kind of worked out there for the Chiefs during the training camp or the limited camp they had this year. That's what he played at Missouri. I do think that's kind of why he was able to see the field in immediate replacement Mike Rimmers. It's not to say that they couldn't try to kick Andrew Wiley out to tackle over. Martinez Rankin has played tackle in the NFL and in college before. It's like they have other options at tackle, but I think your biggest concern would be who plays right tackle if Rimmers can't go. Because if they just need bodies on the interior, I mean, Stefan Wisniewski, I do think, is healthy enough to play. They have brought him up a couple different times. He has not been active or got up there on the field, but they've brought him up. I think he's ready. Rankin may or may not be, but you also have Ryan Hunter has been around the Chiefs organization for long enough. They could bring him up permanently. He's been on the he's been brought up temporarily from the practice squad already this year. They also have Daryl Williams with the Y, not the running back, but another undrafted free agent center guard out of Mississippi State. So they have other guys to bring up if Rimmers can't play and so on and so forth. I think the issue right now is just what are the Chiefs going to do if Rimmers is hurt long-term? Rimmers is playing such an important role for them right now. If you're not going to get Mitchell Schwartz back, which he is eligible to return from IR now, if you're not getting Rimmers back, it's that right tackle position that I think is scarier than anywhere else because that's at least a position that you had almost adequate play at, and now you're definitely taking a step back. Michael from North Carolina emailed in, is the Blitz hurting the Chiefs defense it seems to me it has the last few games every time the Chiefs blitz there is a big play from the other team is this the other team's quarterback seeing something or is it a lack of execution thanks love the show I, honestly I think the reason that the blitz stands out on some of these plays is because you see guys in the backfield that maybe miss and then you see the quarterback step up and make a play the Chiefs defense has been significantly better when blitzing on passing downs than they have been rushing for, both in success rate and yards per throw. That's been for the past four weeks now. Even the Raiders game, where Derek Carr was able to kind of carve up this defense against the blitz, they were still better blitzing. They had a better defensive success rate blitzing than they did not blitzing. This past week against the Dolphins, the Chiefs defense blitz 32% of the time and had a 12% higher success rate blitzing than they did just rushing four. I just think that Steve Spagnuolo knows that he can't get home with four. We see that when they just sit there, sit there and rush four, they struggle. So he brings a little bit of pressure. I liked the balance this week. I like what the four-man rush was able to do on top of what the blitz was able to do. I just think that they know they got a blitz, and honestly, it is by far 
the most successful way that they have played defense and rushed the passer this year. Wow, James Harden really does look like Rick Ross right now, guys. Sorry. Um, jump to the Twitter question. So I just a little just random sidebar there. Everybody's thinking it. Daryl W. Couple couple of jokes here. How many minutes of the Raiders season recap video from NFL Films will be devoted to their win over the Chiefs? <laughs> Percentage of time is also an acceptable response. Like thirty eight percent. Like they're gonna spend a good chunk on that. Kay Gumminger, our guy. Um and Burt Wilkinson kind of alluded to this too. Who will be the first player to put teenage Andy Reid or Eric Berry as their profile pick, or or uh, Eric Bieniemy? I'm sorry, as I put you, <laughs> Eric Bieniemy as their profile pick. <laughs> um, I'll just say this: I I heard uh, I heard Mahomes on with C dot. I was going to get my dinner. I was driving, listening to C dot in in Mahomes uh, on six ten, and and Pat says he's he's got some ideas. Oh man! I wouldn't be stunned if it's Andy or if it's Bienemy. Like I bet you, Tammy. I bet you, Tammy, would give Mahomes an Andy Reid photo. I think it would be Travis Kelsey. Picks. I think Travis Kelsey would be the first one to put an old, relatively embarrassing picture of Andy Reid as his profile picture if he decided to get in on the game. Just because he seems to have that kind of relationship with Andy, where he would poke fun of him like that publicly, and it would oh, I go think, well. Uh, I still think they've got to win the second one before anybody in that locker room feels like they can they can poke that bear a little bit. Well, they're about to, so that's cool. Guys, this is this is this is our first time recording since the Chiefs became the one seed. I know it's great, isn't it? We didn't even like. There's no questions about it. I think no, everybody just less is about expecting. that and more about what Kent Hollywood Swanson's up to these days. Uh, he's looking at he's looking at what the Chiefs are going to pick at 32. He's wonder he's wondering what spa he's going to go to during his bye week before the Chiefs start the playoffs. This is a little bit of inside baseball here. You guys have no idea how much the bloggers want that bye week. <laughs> Seriously. It's so nice. It's just oh. You think this hair blows out itself, guys? No. <laughs> Kent needs his hair Kent care needs time, that okay? Bye week. He needs it. All right, we got to get back on track here. I, this is my fault. I started that Rick Ross, and then things just went kind of weird from there. Joe Moore, our guy, uh, in the eventual Alex Smith story film, who will play Alex, Andy, and Patrick? Oh, man. This is tough. I'm pulling a Maddie Lane this week and not reading ahead. Let's see here. Ah, uh, this is a great question, though. Let's hey, do Kit. it collectively. Let's hey, not Kit, all when come I up said... With when I said, is there a question that I should look ahead to? And you said, I don't know. This is the one time that I would love a warning. <laughs> no, let, let's let's combine this a little bit. I think it's pretty obviously Eric Stone Street is going to play Andy yes. Reid. I mean, 1, I, think, I think that's fairly obvious. He's already played his brother. I think that Andy likes him enough to kind of let him in and learn about him. So I think that one's pretty easy. The other two are a little bit tougher for me, though. I mean, let's just make Paul Rudd Alex Smith, and we just need to find another, you know, Chiefs fan Paul to play Rudd, Patrick Mahomes. Dude, Paul Rudd's like 50 I, already. He looks like he's 15. No, he's, he's he just 28. gets younger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyone not, that hasn't Googled Paul Rudd, you can Google Paul Rudd aging backwards. Like the pictures of him as he has gotten older and in more movies, he looks younger and younger each time you see him. Now, I do think Patrick's a famous enough person that he can just play himself in this bio. I think that I like that idea. 
What about Ryan Reynolds for Alex Smith? Real handsome. Yeah, he could do that. Gosling might not be a bad movie. Oh, my God. Are we still going on this? (laughs) We have to. We're answering Joe's question. It's the least we can do. He came up with the AP logo or with the AP laboratory logo. That's true. We love you, Joe. I think, I don't know. I still like the idea of only using Chiefs fans and going with Stone Street, Paul Rudd, and letting Patrick Mahomes play himself. It's the easy way out, but that way you just make it all Chiefs-centered Product. They will give it the respect that it deserves. I think Maddie's just a coward. Brandon four twenty two. Would you trade Legarius Sneed for a first round pick or Turk uh, Turk Wharton for a second round pick? Okay, this is a great opportunity to recalibrate everybody as Chiefs fans. And this happens, and I'm not dunking on my guy Brandon four twenty two. Brings phenomenal questions all the time. We gotta we gotta have one of those calibration moments with our fanhood here. Turk Wharton's not worth a second round pick. Turk Wharton is awesome. He's an undrafted free agent. He's got a very defined skill set and a very defined role on this team that will probably not increase much of anything because he's never gonna be able to do much of anything against the run. He gets blown off the ball anytime anyone tries to double team him. Uh it's just not pretty. He is a guy, he's kind of a, he's a pass rusher and he's fun. He's awesome. He's fun to watch. He's worth a fifth round pick. He's a rotational player. He's not worth a second round pick. And if someone offered me a second round pick for a rotational player like Turk Wharton, I am making sure I'm not being pranked and then immediately saying yes. Legereus Sneed playing pretty good. Maddie, would you would you trade? I mean, I still think I think I would trade a first for Sneed, but I think it's closer than people think. I just want to say, like the Turk Wharton part is one hundred percent true. Like you would make that trade so fast for Sneed. To me, I think it depends on where this draft pick would come in the first round, because Legarius Sneed was not a first round prospect. Even if you just base it off of his cornerback tape, he was not a first round prospect. He's got to the Chiefs organization. They've coached him well. They've taught him well. And he's a very talented player that's played exceptionally well. But if I'm getting the pick in the top 15, you're telling me that I might have a chance to get a Patrick Sertan, the second to replace him, a Caleb Farley to replace him. Like, I'm making that deal. I know it's a little bit more of an unknown, but just the elite top-end talent that I could possibly put out there, I'm going to take my chance on that this staff could get those guys to play closer to their top level talent like they have with Sneed. If we're talking, I get the 31st pick in the draft because the Chiefs already have the 32nd. It becomes a little bit more of a toss-up. Do I really want to risk getting somebody that might not fit in as well as Sneed clearly is right now? I do think that one becomes a lot more a lot more 50-50 and I might just stick with Sneed because we know what he is. Okay, before yeah. before we go too far with that and before somebody just places the, the family guy, you know, it could be a boat thing change maddie's answer from patrick sertan to kyle pitts and then see how you feel about trading the jarius need for an elite tight end to something that every chiefs fan in the world wants i absolutely can't stand anybody that when they use that family guy it could be a boat box whatever the gif meme is if that is your go-to response to something about the draft 
or something that could happen. Like you're not understanding how guys develop and what a skill set is. You're only basing everything you're doing based on production, which yes, the production is an unknown. Guess what's not? The skill set, the actual traits and the skills, they're not unknowns. That's the whole process of trying to see what they are. Yeah, you don't get a talk, you don't hit on every single draft pick, but that doesn't make it completely an unknown, a complete gamble. Just that meme is just one of the laziest things to put out there about a player's skill set or ability to transition to the NFL. Also, free agent contracts are kind of a mystery box too. They're just really expensive mystery boxes because this game is really hard to do and injuries are pretty common in this in this sport. So it's sometimes it's just expensive mystery boxes if we want to go there. I see that too sometimes. I'm just like, okay. Uh, wasted motion. Is Kelsey the odds-on favorite at this point for the Madden 22 cover? I love the thought. I think that's a great thought. I hadn't thought about like I mean, I, my mind isn't in what's who's going to be on the cover of Madden, but like I, he's got to be up there. He's gotta be. He's gotta be in strong consideration. He'd do a great job promoting it. He'd be a great job, great, uh, great guy to have, kind of involved in that process. Uh, you know, promoting it and all that stuff. I, I, you can do a lot worse than Travis Kelsey, and, and if he continues to blow up and set records like this, just hope the Madden curse doesn't come to get him. Just, just let's just hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Gregory Mac eleven. Whilst this question, he says, whilst this question is geared towards the NBC featured Renaissance legend of man himself, I am curious of Kent's and Matt's opinion as well. <laughs> Us peasants will oblige as well. Uh, Craig, what would your realistic ish dream offense or dream offseason for the Chiefs defense, free agents, draft, trades, etc.? Well, I don't have a list of players in front of me, but I think the positions that they need to target the heaviest, obviously starting with defensive end. I I would like for the Chiefs to maybe target a defensive end with some juice coming off of the end. I, I think Mike Dana is going to be a great base defensive end for this team. But I think in the same way that they're pulling Tano Passigno off the field in some of their dime reps when they know they need to rush the passer, they're going to need another guy with Mike Dana there. I want Dana on this team. I want him playing the run. I just want a guy that's got a little more speed and ability off the edge. And I'm going to look in the draft there because typically those guys are expensive in free agents. Even if they're just pass rush specialists, you're talking 11 12 13 million dollars that's just rough for this team to do next year i do want to see them target maybe another veteran corner next year in the in the off season i think you can get away with a middling you know kind of cornerback to level player for you know roughly a, maybe a little more than bashad breland made this year and i think this team could do with that they got a lot of young bodies but i think they need a little more depth then after that, they just need a dime linebacker. And I don't really care where you come up with that guy. If he's a former safety that that is converted, maybe put on a little more weight. Maybe a guy late in day three of the draft that just doesn't really fit anywhere because he's a square peg in a round hole. Get a guy that you can use for 20 to 30% of the snaps in Steve Spagnuolo's dime defense that can cover running back and that is smart enough to get out in the flat, make a tackle when he's in space with somebody. This team desperately needs it. But I think that those three spots right there just really kind of kill off everything that the defense is going to need. 
I don't know if this is necessarily a hot take, but I don't think the Chiefs are going to spend hardly any money on the defensive side of the ball and free agency. I mean, I don't know how much money they'll spend in general, but I would be kind of surprised to see a lot of new faces on defense from free agency. I do think they're going to try to find a way to bring back a Damian Wilson, hopefully to play as kind of your strong side linebacker. I don't think he'll be that expensive. The team seems to like him. I think you got somebody like a Dan Sorensen coming back. I believe he's a free agent coming up as well. Bring back in-house guys. I don't think they're going to spend any money on that side of the ball because the positions they need are kind of expensive. We're talking defensive ends. Maybe they'll need another safety the way things are looking. Oh, one more guy, Taco Charlton. Please bring him back because he was the only other person with juice off the edge. And he, again, can't be that expensive. He didn't have enough time to play himself into a bigger contract than he got. But I'm with Craig as far as the draft goes. Like, they need a defensive end. They need a dime linebacker, if, especially if you don't think it's going to be Willie Gay. If you're the Chiefs, they need someone to come in and play that role. And I am absolutely fine with it being a big safety from the draft, a guy that's kind of proven that he can't play everywhere, three downs already in the NFL. But that's about it. Like the defense doesn't have great talent at every single position, but they also don't have a lot of gaping holes when you look at the young players on the team. The secondary has some young guys that are developing. They just drafted a top 64 picket linebacker. Anthony Hitchens is playing really well. Defensive tackle position looks pretty set. Yeah, they need help at defensive end, and that's kind of the one position that you know they have to go grab people at. And they've done a good job filling out the cornerback room with young guys they like. I think they oddly have found a way to stack their defensive side of the ball with a lot of young, talented guys that they like. And now you just kind of have to look forward to how you're going to replace the big ticket guys like the Clarks or Matthews or Joneses or whoever if you have to move on from them in a couple years. Yeah, I tend to agree. I don't think you're going to see a ton of spending. I do think that there will be some some guys that they'll bring back. I wouldn't be stunned to see Daniel Sorensen brought back uh, wouldn't be stunned to see, yeah, like you said, Damian Wilson. Yeah, I would like to, we'll, we'll get into Taco Charlton here in a little bit because I think we do have a question about Taco Charlton coming down as well. But um, you, you've got, I, I think they're going to continue to try to fortify the offensive side of the football and then try to figure some things out on defense and rely on their big high-priced contract players. Um you know, three of the top four contracts on this football team are defense this year from a cap cap number perspective. It's Patrick Mahomes. But it's Fr- Frank Clark's got the highest cap hit, then Mahomes, then Chris Jones, and Tyron Matthew. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've got some high-priced guys. They're going to try to fill it with, with the draft and all that kind of stuff. We're going to take a break, and we will be back with more of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. 
That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, answering more of your questions from Twitter. Gooop asks, I know we complain about Andy getting conservative with leads, but does it seem like Spags is just as bad? The defense seems to give up easy chunk plays when they are leading late in games that they don't early in games. If that's the case, why go away from what was working? Spags goes to his dime defense late in the game because he wants to force teams to methodically move down the field. He wants them to throw short. He wants to keep a lid on the top of the defense, and he wants to prevent teams from scoring quickly. We saw this past weekend that the Dolphins had a six-minute drive that cut the lead down to a one-score game. But a six-minute drive when you're handing the ball back to Patrick Mahomes that late with a lead, is a death sentence. We saw that. We saw that occur. The the Dolphins realistically had no shot after the Chiefs got done with that last drive. Spags wants to take time off the clock, and he's relying on his guys to get home, typically with four. Now, we've talked relentlessly so far over like the last seven or eight games here about the Chiefs not being able to get home with four, but that's what he prefers to do. He did blitz a little bit at the end. They just didn't execute particularly well. I talked about it in my article. The middle of the field was wide open. They did a lot of in-breaking stuff that was just too open because whether or not the Chiefs were playing man, whether or not they were playing zone, there was space in the middle. Tua was able to drop back and throw it quickly short and take time off the clock. Spags was happy to let time go off the clock. He just wanted his guys to step up and make a play in the middle of the field, and they didn't. Ombre Ombre <laughs> asks, I like this one, say something nice about McCole Hardman. He's really fast. That's it? <laughs> wow. Um, you know, okay, look. We we get we get pegged as the as the McColl haters all the time. It's just we have just we are we we have a lower perspective on what his ceiling is. He's he makes you know, he makes an impact in five, six games every single season. And that's what we talked about last year. It's the kick returns. It's, you know, an explosive player two down the field every single year. A couple of those deep balls. You know, maybe he houses one of these slip the houses drops. one of these slip creens. Okay, okay, Matt, thanks. You're just you're just you're just trying to piss off the masses now. I mean, he he's high variance. He's a high variance gadget player to me, but he makes an impact in five or six games, and one of them was last week in special teams. So, like, I think there's there's a high, there's a high ceiling to his to his impact. It just doesn't always hit, and there's nothing there's no in between. It's kind of feast or famine with him. But those those six games mattered last year. I mean, the the punt return touchdown mattered this year. I mean, in this past week, I mean, that, right. was a, that was an excellent punt return. He's typically a pretty good punt returner. He makes some poor decisions sometimes. He's typically got good hands. I think you saw a couple times this week where he was having to come back across his body and pluck some of the balls that were behind him. It was one of those things that we talked about a couple weeks ago that he should have had a long touchdown on a play that Patrick Mahomes threw a little bit behind him and he dropped you see games like this week where he typically makes those kinds of catches. He's usually got pretty secure hands. This year has been a little bit shakier than we 
really typically have liked, but typically you see that that Dolphins game kind of hands out of McCole Hardman. So I, I do think that on top of everything these other guys said, I think he's got that role, and I think they're going to continue to use him similarly to this going forward in his rookie contract, and that's fine because, like Kent said, you're going to get a number of games where he makes a splash impact that's very important to this team. Maddie just poking the bear. <laughs> Always. Maui Oi asks, who's got more chances after poor play, Cam Irving or Ben Neiman? I mean, it's Ben Neiman, you guys. Uh, listen, Cam Irving at least was decent at guard. Ben Neiman is Ben Neiman. Like I, I, I think I think the argument for me is Ben Neiman. It's not out of necessity that he's playing. Yeah, Cam Irving. It was like yeah. Well, we gotta play Cam Irving. Cam Irving was a backup. Uh, like Cam Irving was a swing interior offensive lineman, and then tackles got hurt, and he was the guy with tackle experience. Yes, it's. It was not fun with him out on the edge. Yes, he hurt the franchise. It's really, really bad. Ben Neiman is the first choice dime linebacker, and he is the guy. He was the first choice will linebacker to start the season. It's just yikes, man. Yikes. Maui also asks, will Kansas City extend Charvarius Ward, or should they? I don't think they'll extend him right now, but I do think they will sign him to probably, I, I would guess, a second-round tender at this point in time. He's a restricted free agent. The second-round tender, Kent probably knows better than I, costs, what, $2.5 million? Something like I think something like that last I saw, yeah. And no team is going to come out and give you a second-round draft pick to take Charvarius Ward off your hands, so it's safe to bring him back. It doesn't cost that much money, and I think they should do that. I don't know if they should extend him long-term at this point in time. I think you just get too inconsistent of play out of him, too inconsistent of effort on certain games. I don't know if he's the kind of guy that you want to pay to be part of your defense long-term. If you're another team that's looking for a player to come in and be a steady, solid presence at corner that you can have some good games, you don't need him to be an elite all-star, then yeah. You can sign him. I just don't know if he's the kind of guy that gets to a second contract with any NFL team the way he's played. Waldonians asks, I noticed during the Dolphin game, Dolphins game that their defensive players were frequently running from behind our ball carriers and attempting to punch the ball out. Of course, that's what happened to McColl. Are coaches and players, players noticing such trends and emphasizing ball security? Uh, one thing, I think the Dolphins were very intentional about trying to do it. Um, they're a very well-coached, disciplined football team coming from the Belichick tree. The Belichick teams have been really intent on trying to strip the ball out of the uh, of the Chiefs, uh, you know, pass catchers, runners. That's something that they've focused on in the past too. Is really, you know, trying to challenge the ball security of this football team. And this team, this team was, I, I was, I, I think I tweeted it out. I was nervous during the entire game watching the Chiefs carry the football. It wasn't just McColl. It was D. Rob. It was uh, Sammy. It was all of them, you know. They, you've got to be mindful. These guys got to, you know, it's getting late in the season. You got to be mindful about the little things. And ball security is one of those things they got to be extremely mindful of moving forward. And the Dolphins kind of showed them that. And that's a good thing. Curtis Clarice asks: Have any of the offensive linemen drafted after Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a good season? I was one who was hoping for a lineman drafted in either of the first two rounds. Well, so here's the trick with the offensive lineman from last year's draft class. 
only two of them went in the second round. So after Clyde Edwards-Elair, only two of the next 32 picks happened to be linemen. Robert Hunt was one of them, who has essentially been the utility backup for the Miami Dolphins. We just saw him out there on the field. He looked fine for a rookie, but I wouldn't say he's been overly impactful or anything like that for them. I don't think that he would make a huge difference in the Chiefs this particular year. The next guy was Ezra Cleveland to the Vikings towards the end of the second round. It took him a few weeks to even break the starting lineup. He then did that at guard, but he's pretty much a pure zone blocking guy if you're going to play him on the inside, which it doesn't look like the Chiefs were looking for at this point in time. So you didn't have a lot of options that were ready to go right there around Clyde's pick. I mean, like I said, those are the only two offensive linemen going in the second round. If you dip into the beginning of the third round, you do get some quality guards. Damian Lewis was one of them. He went to Seattle. Jonah Jackson ended up going to Detroit. Once both of them have started, they have flashed. They have played well. But we're dipping all the way into guys that were taken in the, around the 70th pick now. It's hard to say you should have drafted that guy at 32. It just could be a situation where Clyde was the best pick available. And I don't know if any of those second round offensive linemen would be a lot better. D. Johnston 29 has Legereus Sneed's play in the slot freed up Tyron to move all around the defense. Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely been the case. Uh, Legereus has not only afforded Tyron to move all around the defense, they've gotten to use him as a chess piece again. I think Steve Spagnuolo even kind of was gushing about being able to utilize Tyron in some of the ways that he was last year because Legereus was helping free some stuff up. You're just seeing a lot more movement. He's dropping deep. He's playing in the box. He's able to, you know, blitz more often than we've seen him do from the slot because he was realistically the Chiefs' best cover guy from the slot last year. So putting Legereus Need in some of those roles, even as a linebacker, you've gotten to see Tyron Matthew move around a lot more, read the quarterback's eyes. That's where he's at his best. And I, this is frankly the best thing for the Chiefs defense, getting him back in space again, because frankly, he was struggling a little bit this season in the slot compared to how he was playing last year. So getting a guy that can do that a little bit better and still getting to put top flight Tyron Matthew and his the ability to read the quarterback, just it's the best possible thing for this defense. Hunter Erickson, what are the chances the Saints try to surprise the Chiefs and start Jameis Winston? Of all the quarterbacks on the Saints roster, Jameis Winston has the third highest odds. I would be more. I, I think you're going to see Drew Brees, Taysom Hill before you see Jameis Winston. I think Drew Brees might be back this week. I think there's a chance. Graver Tanner, what's the Ben Neiman equivalent of? But Joey Ivy's pass rush. As he outsnapped Willie Gay against Miami, you don't have to do the voice, Craig. Actually, Craig, can you, do you want to do the voice? No. I'll do the voice for you if you want to come up with the slogan. Nah, I I, I don't have a slogan. It. Listen, guys, I, I'm as frustrated as the rest of you. I I want Willie Gay to play. Ben Neiman. I, we talk about this all the time, like in the DMs. We talk about it sometimes on the podcast here as well. We would prefer to put the athletic guy that makes mistakes on the field because you're going to get splash plays rather than the guy that knows where he's supposed to be but can't get there and can't make the tackle. So we're right there with you. We have no further explanation other than the fact that Ben Neiman knows the play calls and Willie Gay doesn't at this point. We agree. We want him on the field. It stinks that we don't get to, but no, I don't, I don't have any term to coin because I don't want to coin one. 
because he's going to be playing next year and he's going to be good. But Neiman knows the play calls. Oh, no. Is that good? No. Is that better? I told you all this was going to happen. I told everyone. Yeah. You kind of did. Listen, I flex on him. (laughs) If Damian Wilson is out again this week, guess what? I'm still going to believe that Willie Gay is going to get the bulk of the snaps. I know better, but I want it to happen. I'm putting positive vibes out in the world. If anyone can make it happen, it's the big RM. (laughs) (laughs) Jake from State Farm, I'm guessing 15. Jake from SF15. How well did Yasir Durant play, and do you see him getting more playing time? I think Durant played like an offensive guard that was asked to play an offensive tackle and one that was a rookie. I think when you saw the Dolphins come at him from wider techniques or just go with the speed rush, he had a really hard time getting his feet out there to meet the rusher at a decent spot up the arc. He really was left kind of reaching and lunging for them to push them up deep. He was fine as a run blocker. He was fine when players tried to work through his chest because he's a big, powerful guy, but I just don't think he has the foot speed in combination with the body control or length, however you want to phrase this part, to stop guys from beating him around the edge. I think the Chiefs will be in a little bit of trouble if they have to play him for a prolonged period at tackle. I wouldn't be surprised to see him move full-time to guard as soon as the Chiefs have other bodies to put out there. Hopefully, Rimmers, or even better, Mitchell Schwartz can come back soon. So I think as admirable as it is for Durant to be ready to play as an undrafted free agent, switching sides on the offensive line and playing offensive tackle, I do think that will be a major flaw in the Chiefs' offense as long as he's out there. Sushi Roll KC, despite Clyde's admirable admirable rookie season effort, do you think Mitchell Schwartz's season-ending, or he says season-ending, but with a question mark, injury, Lucas Niang's opt-out and the interior offensive line struggles have the Chiefs front office second-guessing their draft strategy. Well, Lucas Niang's opt-out came after the Chiefs drafted him. I don't think there's any way that they could have anticipated that happening. And you don't anticipate Mitchell Schwartz's injury. So I don't know if you're second-guessing um, your draft strategy. They just had a lot of attrition for a variety of different reasons along the offensive line. Uh, they have a lot of interesting guys in 2021, though with Niang, with Martinez Rankin back in the mix. Um, you know, Yasir Durant, Daryl Williams, some of the guys that they have on the roster already as it is. Um, there are going to be some good competition, and they'll continue to add to that group too. There's going to definitely be some some additions either via the draft, free agency both. Um, I'm not worried about it. I think next year's offensive line, I think I think they'll figure it out, and it'll actually look pretty solid. It'll be. I think they'll be improved next year. And I don't know how hard it's going to be to have to improve it, frankly. Leighton Y44, are you surprised that Sammy Watkins hasn't made more of an impact on the stat line? No, not particularly. I mean, Sammy's very clearly the number three option. I mean, it doesn't take a genius. Just look at the receiving yards for the NFL chart, and you'll see that Sammy Watkins is fairly clearly the number three option. As far as regular season Sammy goes, this is more or less in line what he's done with the Chiefs so far. I mean, his numbers are almost identical to his numbers last year if you look at his per-game averages. And I think that everybody throughout the season went, oh man, when's Sammy going to show up? You started to see teams taking away the deep ball. You started to see offensive game plans were more about getting Travis Kelsey the ball, maybe running, checking down to running backs a little bit more. Some of the things that we're seeing here, I do like what Sammy is doing with his opportunities, but 
realistically, it's going to be playoff Sammy Watkins. That's where he's made his bones in Kansas City so far, almost doubling his season game numbers for the past two years now, going out in the or in the playoffs and just making a massive impact. If he does it again, I you know I don't really care what regular season Sammy Watkins does because the way this Chiefs offense plays, frankly, they're fine without him until they get to the playoffs and teams start taking away Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey a little bit better. Playoff Sammy, worth every penny. Handsome Devil, 49, after that insane game last night, perhaps the game of the year, do you think the Browns are one of the biggest threats to the Chiefs along with the Bills? No, I think the Bills are one of the biggest threats to the Chiefs, maybe the biggest threat to the Chiefs again. I know the Chiefs already dispatched them once. I think that they did a good job of making Josh Allen look like the Josh Allen of a year, two years ago. He's played very well since then. I don't think it would be that easy the second time. As far as the Browns go, their secondary is hot garbage. Their linebacker group isn't much better. All they really have going for them on defense is a very good pass rush. But if that's all you have versus the Kansas City Chiefs offense, Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, no. You're just not going to score enough points with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. It's not going to happen. On paper, they're not a good matchup. But I think what we've seen is out of the teams that are labeled as bad matchups for Kansas City because of their run game, it's the opposite. It ends up being a good matchup for Kansas City because that running offense can't keep pace. It doesn't matter if you hold the ball and kick a field goal when the other team is going to score touchdowns on your bad secondary, on your bad linebackers all game long. I have zero doubt the Chiefs would just pace the Browns up and down the field. Jayhawk1108, has Frank Clark been teaching Mike Dana? Mike's long arm and rip look awfully familiar. I mean, uh, Frank teaches everybody. I think we talked about it like two, three years ago at training camp for those people who've been sticking with us for as long as they have. And thanks, guys. Um, We talked about how Frank Clark is the guy that Brendan Daly and Steve Spagnuolo relied on to teach players how to do things. You would see Brendan Daly set up a drill and Frank would do it perfectly the first time and then stand off to the side and you would see guys like Breland Speaks or Colin Saunders that would come through and they'd try it and Daly would have him do it a couple times and not be able to do it correctly. And so then he'd pull him off to the side and Frank would work with him. So you got to see a lot of coaching by Frank Clark there on the field. So yes, certainly that's the case. Mike Dana's a really sharp guy. Mike Dana understands what he needs to do, and that's what makes him the player that he is. He's not an athletic freak. He doesn't have a ton of juice off the edge, but you see him. Matt wrote a fantastic article this week. Go go on Arrowhead Pride and read it. He talks a lot about how Mike Dana is very good at replacing hands. Like when guys try and do stuff and he's not able to get past a guy, he's very good at resetting and clearing hands, trying another move, setting some stuff up. He's just a very smart player, very technical player, and that's how he's going to win in the NFL, and that's why you're seeing some of the wins, especially on longer developing reps here. Mike Dana can win because he's on his second or third pass rush move, and it's just really hard to stop guys like that that are that technical. Chandler W78 will end with this. Considering injury and price tag, if you had to bring one back next year, would you pick Tano Passanio, Taco Charlton, or Alex Okafor? 
For me, it's easily Taco Charlton. I think with Tano, I was hoping for a big step up this year, and we just haven't got it. Quite frankly, I think Mike Dana has been a better base defensive end than Tano has been. Yeah, he's not, you know, 6'7", 290 pounds with the ability to kick inside, but as far as setting the edge goes, playing assignment sound football, and when the opportunity presents itself to get a cleanup or a late in the down sack because other guys are getting attention, he's better at it than Tano is. So he's easily replaced by someone on the roster. It comes down to Taco or Alex Okafor. I think both guys right now are better as situational pass rushers. Taco Charlton just can't be any more expensive than he was this year based on such limited snaps. Alex Okafor, I could see trying to ask for a little bit more money than Taco Charlton. Charlton's younger. I think he has showcased a little bit more juice off the edge. He looked a little bit quicker to me. I think either guy as a pass rush specialist would be fine to bring back. I would just lean towards Taco Charlton at this point in time. I mean, as a pure pass rusher, which is what I talked about this team needing a little bit more, Taco Charlton's the easy answer. But if you want a guy maybe to be Frank Clark's direct backup, I think Okafor is the better option. They trusted him or have trusted him so far more in the base defense, a guy that can play on all three downs. Taco Charlton, they didn't really trust to get some of those early base downs. He got blown off the ball a little bit. He just wasn't as strong against the run. Alex Okafor offers you that ability. Over the past four weeks, two of those, he was coming back from injury, and you could tell that he was a little bit winded. Even this week, a little bit, he was getting winded. But so far, the past two weeks, he has had a pressure rate of 9% or higher, and they are rushing him a lot. Like, he's out there a lot, and he's able to make enough of an impact. I think if he finishes strong, if he continues the way he's played the past two weeks for the rest of the year, I am all in on bringing Alex Okafor back because I think he can do a little bit more on all three downs. We record this podcast on Tuesday nights. It's Taco Tuesday. That's going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate you all for asking great questions. We'll be back later in the week with the game preview. Make sure you are listening to everything going on on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. If you go back listen, we've got an interview with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, too. We got a chance to sit down with him. There's a lot of stuff going on. Make sure you check it all out. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you later. 